from The Advocate Magazine. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and this is LGBTQ&A. We're on a break right now, but I wanted to bring you this interview that we did with Buck Angel from about two years ago. I love it because Buck talks about how sex and masturbation changed his life, and specifically why it was such an important part of his transition. Also, Buck's done porn, he's won an AVN award, and so he's really more comfortable talking about sex in his body than I think we typically hear, so I personally really appreciate that openness. And then as always, if you like our show, please subscribe. That's a huge help to us. And then we've got some amazing interviews already lined up. But if you want to recommend a guest or just leave some feedback, Twitter is the best place for that. I'm on Twitter at JeffMasters1. All right, without further ado, this is Buck Angel. And he begins by explaining how he got the nickname Trampa. My lady friend, actually, one day she just said, you know what? You're kind of like a crotchety old man sometimes. I think you're a trampa. And I was like, what? What a brilliant word. And then I became trampa. <laughs> you know, I'm big on community service, big time. Yeah, and I've I think, seen that. Yeah, big time. And so I am trampa in a way, which means that a lot of the younger generation does ask me questions and look up to me. You know, I transitioned... 22 years ago so I feel that it is important my voice is important in a sense that it's different now and this is how it was before and you know my experience can help younger guys right now or ladies or theys or whoever they are yeah oh my god you must be so over talking about your transition (laughs) actually people say that to me all the time but I'm not and I'll tell you why because people listen and I see the effect that it makes on people when they hear it gets better because that's the thing that people need to understand. You might be going through stuff right now. You might not get your surgery. You might not be on hormones. But if you just stay focused, it will happen. And that's why it's important for me to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Can we talk about your sex toy? Yes. Great. <laughs> for everybody who doesn't know, you are the first. Your sex toy is the first and only one for trans men. Well, there are other toys there out are. there, but this is the very first trans male sex toy commercially commercially produced and all around the world. Other guys have made stuff out of their own, you oh, know, gotcha. but this is the very first, so it is, the first trans male commercially produced sex toy on the market. That's and huge. It's huge. So that's really impressive. How long did it take to get it made in, on the shelves? Well, my idea had been over at least over five years, but to really, when I really just started to push this idea was five years ago, and I went to every major toy company in the sex toy world. You name them, I went there, and everyone was like, nope, let me, sh- let me see numbers, how is this going to sell. We don't think it's going to sell. But I'm like, are you kidding? I invented <laughs> I invented this genre. I know. And nobody would listen to me. And then I went to Steve Callow at Perfect Fit. And I just said, I got so tired of doing the spiel. I said, dude, just listen to me for two minutes. Honestly, if it's not cool, I'll walk away. And in two minutes, he just said to me, nobody's done this, Buck. Are you kidding me? That's a no brainer. Let's do it. And that rest is history. I think it became the fastest selling toy in the market. We sold out of our first run in less than a month. Wow. Yeah. So before that, you were like making your own? So most trans, yeah, I was taking toys that they make for cisgender men yeah. and basically cutting like cutting them apart and fit, fitting myself in the in the hole of it and using it to squeeze. It, the exact, what exactly the buck off is exactly what I made with other toys and what we all did because we didn't have a toy for our anatomy. So we had to find toys that existed and, you know, cut them and maneuver them in order to work with our, un- we have a very unique anatomy. It, and so does this go... 
<laughs> I know, I know. You're speechless. <laughs> no, like in my mind, I was like, I don't want to get graphic, but it's like no, it's get the body. Graphic. Get but, graphic. So, so this goes over the clitoris, which is usually enlarged with testosterone. Exactly, my friend. And yes. it, you can replicate like the stroking motion. Yeah. So think of that. a think think of a man, a, a biological okay. or cisgender man's uh, penis stroker, right? Yeah. Everyone, it's a stroker. So it's basically the same idea, but what happens is our clitorises grow to the, you know about the size of the thumb. Yeah. And then you this thing just fits right over that, and you and you basically just stroke the same thing. You stroke. And the reason why it was very important for me to make this is because there are many guys uh, like myself who are not so comfortable with their vagina. And they feel very detached from it. And I believe that sex is a very impart, important part of your transition and learning how to love yourself. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like a, if you're continually pushing away on your genitals, I don't really think that you're fully accepting your body. So this enables you to, you know, masturbate without actually touching your vagina, but feeling like you're, you know, you're jacking off like a guy. That's really huge. No, thank you. It is. It's a, I, the emails that I'm getting from guys are like, you've changed my life. And I know because sex changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think that our culture is so sexualized, and yet we still have this stigma against it. Yes. It's, and, it's the most bizarre behavior. It's like, it's like, here, take it, but don't. Here, take it, but don't. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just like weird, this weird sort of like, let's do it, but let's not talk about it. It's dirty. We'll do it in secret. Like, why would we do that? I agree. And like for me, like it was, it took a while to separate that. Um, I was queer, and I, I personally didn't have a stigma against that, but my stigma was against sex. Yes, which is so weird to think because we're brought up and thinking men love sex and yes. it's normal, but like just putting words to that well because then it becomes this so you're only gay to have sex or it becomes this like thing yeah actually I am gay to have sex because I actually am attracted to other men yeah. and I want to have sex with them but it becomes this like we're just it's this dirty thing and it, and I still think it is in the LGBTQ community it's not something we really talk about on a very positive level I think you're saying it, sex sex Sex. Even think about it. Whenever someone is troll, you know, going on the internet and looking for partners or doing that, all oh, that's all of a sudden a bad thing. You know, are you on scruff? Like, are like who cares? Yeah. Why are we shaming people around their sexual habits? If you're on the internet every day jacking off, then you're a sex addict. That's not true. I do it every day. I am not a sex addict. <laughs> and I think your openness about it is almost like the most radical part about you. <laughs> I jack off every day. I watch porn every day on the internet and I love it and it makes me feel happy. And that's all that matters. If it's making you feel happy and it's not stopping you from creating or doing the other things, then you're not an addict. Yeah. And I think that like the conversation that has been like left back because we're talking about sexuality yes. and we're thinking it in terms of sexual orientation, yes. but we're not talking about like sexual feelings in our capacity. Yes. Desire. Yes. Right on, my friend. And so that all of those things are very important to me and why I really am very outspoken. Sex changed my life. If it wasn't for sex and learning how to be sexual with my body, I wouldn't be the guy I am right here. And so for me, I'm the guys. I want to scream it from the top of every mountain. (laughs) Masturbate. (laughs) Yeah. Did you so you you did porn. Did you feel this way about sex like through porn and discover it? Or did you find that before? No, before. And it's the reason why I went into porn. It's like exactly why I went into porn because I finally had been so um, attached sexually to my body and I was seeing no representation in porn and we know porn has every representation there were no trans male performers in the adult entertainment industry and it was like 
how is this? I mean, it was like, I couldn't even believe it. You know, it's same with the toy. I couldn't even believe this didn't exist till I produced it. And I'm like, why is nobody talking about this? Why? And it comes back to our community. It really does. It comes back to our community and being very shut down about talking about sex, talking about our bodies. If you look at it in a whole, we don't really talk about sex in the trans community. We don't. We don't talk about our bodies. We talk about many other things, but we don't talk about the importance of sex. I'm pretty much one of the most loud voices about that. Uh, you're the only one that I know of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't want to say that, but yeah. I, I, I'll say it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, that's shocking, don't you think? I, I don't understand it at all. And you know, I get a lot of backlash from parts of the trans man community that I shouldn't be speaking out about this and I shouldn't be speaking about my vagina as if it's okay. And, and what are they upset about? That it triggers... <laughs> I just got something from someone who just said, Buck, your vagina triggers me. Please stop talking about it publicly. And I'm like, okay, something is out of control here. Right. <laughs> and I can talk about my vagina, and I don't understand how my vagina has now become a trigger in the trans man community. I think like the place you're coming from, too, is that sex and like your relationship to your vagina changed your life. Changed and my life. And you want people to experience that. Yes. It's don't like to force it on them. No, I don't force anything on anybody. Right. I have my own platform. I've built my own platform. I am here doing my own thing. If you don't want to listen to me, shut it off. Don't look at me. Go do something else. So that's the thing that I never understood from this desire to uh, come at me from a certain part of the trans male community. That as if I'm doing a disservice or, you know what I mean? Create something that you want to see. Yeah. Many people benefit from my work. Many, not just trans people, people benefit from my work. And yeah. that's the most important thing. Well, I saw that you got a lot of hate um, during the Trump's uh, grabbing by the pussy. Right on. You yes, put out I a did. picture with yourself. Yes. Um, and would you, what did you say in the picture? It, it was a, it's a picture of me going like this in a you know, tank, tank, white undershirt. And then it says, hey, Trump, I grab my pussy. I dare you. And everyone loved it. All the feminist organizations, all the women's organizations. And I did it because I'm a feminist. Yeah. I, I used to be a woman. I'm entitled to say whatever I want to say as a feminist man. Oh, the trans, some trans men went off. That I'm toxic masculinity. That how dare I represent. How dare I block women's voices. Who's blocking women's voices? <laughs> yeah, I think some of the criticism that I saw about that was that this was a larger moment about um, sexual assault and by a person who's becoming our president, and that's what it's about. But I also understand the, say, the other side of, like, we need to bring levity to this. Yes, we do. And I will speak out about it, and I am an activist, and that is my activism. Yeah. It is, I choose, my body is my activism. That's just, so I used my body as activism. And if you don't like it, create your own activism. But to come at me and say that what I'm doing is toxic masculinity. I mean, what they're doing is exactly what they're saying I shouldn't do. And I've learned a lot and I've learned the hard way. You just don't interact with trolls because that's what they are. They'll just keep, they want your attention. That's what they want. They crave to have interaction with you. And instead of saying, Buck, I'd like to have a really awesome conversation with you and dialogue and let's figure out how come this is, I would have that conversation in a minute. But when you come at me, I'm shutting you down. See, I just don't have the gene where I if I disagree with somebody online, I tell them. I just, right. like, close the browser. Yes. And I'm fine with that. And that, and you should be fine with that. Or if you want to have a conversation, you say, excuse me, sir or mister or ma'am or whoever, 
I don't particularly agree with your thing here. How can we have a talk about this? And I can tell you what. That's called dialogue. And that is the way change is made. In our community, we should be having dialogue with each other. We shouldn't be attacking each other, which is what's happening. And I think that this goes to a larger issue of the lack of representation for minority groups. Mm -hmm. Since there's so few of you in the public eye, Mm -hmm. um, it's like what feminists complain about. We demand perfection. And you're on this pedestal. And if you make one wrong move or do one thing that somebody doesn't agree disagree with, they knock you down. They kill you. Yes, they kill you. It's happened to me many times in my early activism. I said things I shouldn't have said. You make mistakes as an activist. You make mistakes when you're growing. And I made mistakes. I've made this many mistakes in 16 years of activism. And there's these things will never leave me. They continue to bring them up. They continue to pull them out of places and say, a list of evidence of of Buck being transphobic, mis- you can easily take things I say out of context. Yeah. It's a very easy thing to do. But, you know, people don't understand that it's difficult to be a big voice. It's difficult to have an opinion as a person like myself and continues to put it out there because you will continually be attacked. And it's when you have to realize it's not about me. People attack because they're just not okay with themselves. Yeah, and, and there's so few trans voices out um, like in the public eye, but there's also a lot fewer trans male voices. Yes. And people wonder why I... Well, I've been doing this for 16 years. It wasn't like I just started. I really built my brand and built my voice over this many amount of years. Now there's a huge opportunity for trans men to have voices, and I don't understand either why they pick on the people who have the voices instead of saying, you know what? I want to be an activist too and this is not what I'm seeing so let me do it. Right. In this day and age you have the opportunity to do anything you want with the media, with YouTube, with, come on, with every social media platform. And and the people that we look up to they're allowed to be like multi-dimensional people who I don't even want to say make mistakes, say things that you don't agree with and that's okay. But I have actually made mistakes. I've said things that were dis... uh, They were wrong. I shouldn't have said them. I posted photographs. I shouldn't have posted. And that was, again, a learning experience. And I never did it again. And I made an apology, yet they will not let it go. Well, I think it's huge that you're able to recognize that. I wouldn't be a good activist and I wouldn't be a good educator if I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I think the most upsetting part for me about seeing some of the hate against you Mm -hmm. is that um, we've met before. Yeah. And I think that you just like exude warmth (laughs) and like it's like a singularly like loving energy. And so for like people not to see that. Yeah. Well, you don't see it. Thank you. I appreciate that very much because it, it is true. I am a very loving person. Yeah. I am a person and just all I want to do is create positive change for our community. Nothing else. It, I have no desire to be famous. It almost took me off guard the first time I met you. Because <laughs> you were expecting me to be like, wow. I don't know what I was expecting, but I was not <laughs> expecting such just like an open and like compassionate person. Yeah. Because like, of, you have to look at my image, right? So people are only seeing like, you know, one dimensional image of me and, you know, I'm always like, rah, with my cigar or I'm trampa. And, you know, that's my image, hyper-masculinity. Yeah. But at the same time, I bring a sensitivity to that because I want to also change the image of what a hyper-masculine man is. And it isn't a man who is so shut down that he beats his lovers and he acts like a crazy person. No, it's a man who cries, a man who loves, a man who wants to create compassion and empathy in the world. So my idea is to, yes, my outside looks like this, but my inside is super, super soft and, and vulnerable, really. So yes, I get that hate because people make assumptions about me. Do you find that people, you, your activism and your public speaking, do you find that people take what you say less seriously because you've done porn? 
100%, my friend. I mean, it's changing for sure. It's changing because, first off, because I was uh, lucky enough to get myself in the trans list, the HBO trans list, which really yes. gave me a lot of sort of um, – it, ga- it gave me a respectability that I didn't have before. And my voice got to reach such a bigger audience. Now people are understanding what I'm saying. Whereas before, people would just say, fuck Angel. He's just a porn star. Or he doesn't really – you know, oh, what would a porn star know? People, you know, people have this idea of what it means to work in the sex business as if it's the only job you can do or uh, if it's you have to be stupid to be most of the people I know that work in the sex business are hugely intelligent people and very focused people but it goes back to what we were talking about earlier sex is just this thing that we've been disconnected from you know in society and we're not supposed to talk about it oh it goes all the way around yes it does wow are you still performing um, you know what? Not really. I did perform last year, and I mean, I did a scene uh, because it was offered to me in a straight pornography company, and it was with a with a cisgender woman porn star, and it never been done before. So I'll always go back to shooting a scene if it's something that's never been done before. I'm I'm kind of blown away that in porn, which I think about as having done everything already, that yes. you're still talking about doing things for the first time. Yes, but because here's the deal with the porn industry, it's very concerning. Conservative. People don't understand that. If if you're white, you cannot go and shoot with a black person or you will be only shooting with black people right there. You can't cross the, cross the color line. It's so gross and racist. Then it comes to the gay stuff. Are you gay for pay? Are you really gay? And if you go gay for pay, then you can't come back to straight world. It's very straight, gay, separated, color separated. Even today. Even today. Is and it's it- why I haven't ever been in a straight you know what I mean by straight, you know, like the, the customer base is straight guys. I've never been in a film like that because they never thought that the audience would want to see me. And I understand it from a business standpoint, but I don't understand it from a way that the pornography world has a huge opportunity to make change in this world. I've used my pornography to make change. So when Evil Angel asked me to do this movie and I was like, of course I'm going to do that. It's going to make change. And it did make change. Wow. So that must have been huge for you, like working so hard to get into the porn industry to win the AVN award. It was huge. It was like so, it was in 2007, and no one's ever won it since. No other trans man has ever won it since, which is so sad for me because the whole reason for me to get in here was to bring it and make it into a genre and to invite more guys. But it just. They just don't. They there are some guys doing it, but it's just still about this many guys. Yeah, where, where can people find more gender nonconforming porn? You know, Pink and White uh, TV, Pink and White Label. They're great. They're a, they're a, a queer owned company in okay. San Francisco, and they do a lot of great stuff. My movies stream on their channel. I really like them. They do really super super queer queer. And other than that, there's not a huge amount of stuff out there. There just isn't. It's not a big seller. Huh. So you can't produce something. Unless you're making something. If you have advertisers, right? Yeah. You need to make to produce. It's this cycle. And porn doesn't make the money it used to make. Really? No. No way. Come on. It's free on the internet. None of my porn makes money anymore. I give it away for free. I give it away for free. Huh. Because I have to. The reason that people are go, they maybe buy my movie or they find it, they rip it off and they put it on the internet. It was going so much that I was only spending my time sending out cease and desist letters. And I'm like... I have to figure out a better way for this to work for me. So what I did is I said, take it. Take it, and I'll start producing products. And so I started producing products for that reason. 
so that you know I can't I can't stop people from stealing. Right. I can't. It, it is, and that's like not your responsibility as like the performer. Unfortunately, uh, actually, it is no because they're my my movies under my label. Oh. They're all my label movies. Oh, they're Buck Angel. They're Buck Angel Entertainment. They steal them all and they put them up on the internet. And then I just said to myself, okay, this is just getting out of control. How can I make it work for me? And I just said, I'm not. I'm stopping going to hunt my movies down because it's not going to work. And I have to figure out another way yeah. know, to generate income. Speaking, going around the world, performing, producing products. Yeah. yeah. It, when, when you're shooting a scene, is it... It, the the uh, the final product is derived to give someone pleasure, yes. but it, um, during shooting of it, is it as big of a turn on for the people who are shooting it as it is for the people watching? That's a good question. For me, and I don't know about I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, and also for me as a performer, that was always the most important thing. If me and you are going to shoot a scene, we better re- really be into each other. If we if we're vibing out on each other, and there's not, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to shoot the scene because you can see that. I can see that as a producer, as a director, and as a performer. I don't like that when I see there's really no interaction between us. There's no passion. It's the reason why Valentina Nappi, the woman I shot with, she's a huge porn star, and me did a scene that's been nominated, that got triple-A, AVN nominated. It just went crazy because our passion to each other is there, and we really enjoyed having sex. So that said, even the guys who shoot for me, I pretty much encourage them to let go. That's a very difficult thing because most of the trans guys that are shot with me have never shot film before. So it's only me and them in the room and nothing else. I turn the heater on. I make it very warm in there <laughs> so that they start to feel hot. And as I'm talking about, you know, tell me about your transition. Tell me about how you feel. And I start to take my shirt off. I'm not having sex with them, but I want them to feel sexy. So I'm interviewing them while they're starting to feel hot and sweaty. And it gets them to this desire of, oh, I want to be out of these clothes. And I'm starting to feel comfortable. It, it works every time. That's really amazing to talk about, like, one's transition in, like, a pleasurable environment and yes. frame it that way. As yes. opposed to this dramatic thing. No, happened. I don't do that. I actually do a series called Sexing the Trans Man, and it's a docu-porn series. And I'm on the fifth volume. And what it does is I interview guys, and then I have them do a sex scene for me. But I have them, I interview them before you even get to see them have sex. So I humanize them, right? I let you wow. learn who... Who who is Tony? Tony's this cool guy who you know became a, was a woman, became a man, and now is very sexual in his body, and it works every time. <laughs> oh my god! How do you um, like help people get more comfortable with their like own just sexuality? Talking about it, talking, talking, to inventing products that help you connect to your body, making films that really the films that I do, the sexy and trans men, are really for other trans men, and so that they can start to see the representation of themselves. I'm not the representation of the trans men. I'm just one guy. I don't want to be the only trans man out there showing my body and, you know, masturbating. I need hundreds, if not thousands, of millions so that you get to see the guy that turns you on or the guy that you feel like. And then it really does, it's an empowering thing. It like makes, oh, if he can do it, why can't I? I mean, it's the same with someone's sexuality, gay. If you see gay guys do having sex or there it, it, it sort of legitimizes or humanizes your feelings if you're never seeing any of that you don't really understand that your feelings are totally normal we have to normalize ourselves and a lot i know a lot of people don't like that word but find a better word for me and i'll use it but for me right now normalizing is very important because it creates the rest of the world to look at us like oh they're not freaky i understand why they're this way yeah and i mean to see you 
you're, you're not just comfortable with your body, but you love your body. Yes. There's such a massive, massive distinction there. There is. And to see a, like an example of somebody who, who loves their body, <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> I know. I know. It sounds actually kind of egotistical or narcissistic, but it's not that way. Yeah, and it's it, not like a queer or trans thing. <laughs> no. It's just a person. It's a human thing. Yeah. And that's why I actually tell people that I'm actually a human rights activist. I'm not a trans activist. My history is transsexual for sure. I don't, I am not, my identity is not trans. I'm yeah. not a trans person. I'm a man. But my history is transsexual. And that said, it, it is so important. It is, I mean, really, I hated my body for my whole life. I hated it. So I just knew one day if I don't accept my body and, and make the body in my own vision, I will never be happy on this earth. And it, it has released me from that pain released i mean we all have that pain with our bodies you tell me one person that's born comes in is cool and has everything my body's nobody nobody so i i I read that you the person who um did your top surgery and put you on testosterone that you were the first trans man they've ever worked with yes yes 22 years ago that's so you were like (laughs) you're you're speechless i'm wondering if like guinea pig sounds crass no because i actually say that in my talks i do say that because the doctor actually said that to me the hormone doctor that i first went to had no idea how to how to give hormones to a transsexual man and they only worked with transsexual women at the time 22 years ago and i found him because he only worked with transsexual women and i couldn't find a doctor here and when i went to him he was like, I've been doing this for 30 years, Sonny. <laughs> let, let me just tell you, I'm willing to work with you, my friend, but I don't know what I'm doing. And his, these are the words that came out of his mouth. You'll be my guinea pig. And, you know, for one second I hesitated, and then I said, I can't hesitate. It's life or death. If I do not take this opportunity right now, I am going to kill myself. I knew it. And I took the opportunity, and the rest is history. Wow. Yeah. Just, it like, it just hurt too much inside you said you have to try this. i and my mantra used to be if it doesn't work i'll kill myself and that pretty much applied to everything i mean can you imagine that just being your mantra not like oh you know <laughs> my mantra today is i love life and gratitude is amazing that's my mantra now well my mantra before is if it doesn't work i'll just kill myself that's horrifying and sad that someone had to believe that about themselves that they were never going to be a future yeah never and then this man gave me a future even though he said you're going to be the guinea pig, he gave me this future. He was so loving and so amazing to me. I've never had anything but a loving experience from my medical side of the world, ever. And that's, imagine, that's ma- they never dealt. Yeah, that's real medicine, and that's real doctors. D- did, your, did you stop thinking about suicide after you transitioned? A hundred percent. Never never thought about it again, ever in my whole life of transition. I've never thought about killing myself. I would say in the first month, I was nervous because back in the day, there was no internet. So I couldn't Google sex change. <laughs> I couldn't Google what does a trans man look like? Where today, you just like inundated with it. So I had no understanding of what I was going to look like. Oh, because your body's changing. You yes. have no idea how far it'll go. Or My God, if you look at pictures of me before, I, look, I was a woman. And today, I have, there's no problem with me. I look like a dude, for sure. No one ever even questions me. But that, this is all testosterone. The only thing is my chest because I had surgery, but everything is testosterone. That's it. Does it 
feel different in your body? A hundred percent. The testosterone, really? Yes. I mean, I can tell when I take my, you know, so I have to sh- inject testosterone every 10 days for the rest of my life because I don't have testicles and I don't produce testosterone. So basically, I can actually feel the sort of, you know, I have testosterone in my body and then it actually goes down. So I feel hormonally sometimes a little off balance and I have to adjust where I'm at. I think biological or cisgender people might feel the same. I'm not sure. I guess that's a question for you. Are there times where you feel... I guess you wouldn't notice that because you're not injecting it. It's producing in your body. I think... And you're young. Yeah. I I don't know if it's my age or not, but I feel a constant level. I don't don't feel any change. It's your age. What happens is like later in late, late 30s, 40s, and we don't talk about this also for cisgender biological men. You go through menopause. <laughs> yeah, and your T levels drop. Yes. Um, which is why about a year ago I got mine tested so I could Great. have a baseline. Great. Um, and because the normal range for testosterone is wildly wide, yes. um, my numbers were so high that it like blew me away. Wow. And I just was like, oh, wow. Actually, I feel it. I feel like a different person. Honestly, I feel happy. I feel... And you can look at that with most trans people who have transitioned into a space. They're happier. They they just feel like finally... You know, you have to understand our outside has to fit our inside for many of us because it's the way the world sees us. And if our outside... That's why it's so important for us to transition to the way that we want to look, whether it be hyper-masculine, masculine, feminine. This is important because it's the way you come back to me. Yeah. And, and I want to be clear to f- people listening that um, we're talking a lot about your genitals <laughs> right. and genitals, and, and we're doing that because like you're okay with it. I'm 100% okay with yeah, it. Yeah, you yes. branded yourself in porn as the man with a pussy, and so that's why I'm asking these questions. Right. No, it's not, and I just want to say you're not disrespectful. You've never been disrespectful. Thank you. You've always been very upfront with me, and you asked me even before the show, what what would you like or not well, me to and, say? And, and let me know if it gets too personal. I just want to let people know who like might be like, whoa. I appreciate that. We don't do that normally. Um, but while we do, I have another question. <laughs> At, and I want to say here on, on your show that nothing offends me. And if it does, I'm very forward about that. But honestly, the reason that, that I'm here is I'm an activist. I'm an educator. It is important to ask me questions that many other trans people won't answer. They won't. They won't talk about their genitals. And that's okay. But I will talk about it. And I, I will pretty much talk about anything. I really <laughs> appreciate that. And you've uh, famously said that you love your vagina. <laughs> famously. Yes. Um, can I ask what that means? Sure. Um, I think in that context of that specific thing, once I was on a Tyra Banks show and she looked at, she tricked me to be on that show, by the way, long story, but I, I was so mad. And then she looks at me and she's like, with this weird question, so you have a vagina, like all freaky. And I was like, yes. And she goes, but how do you have a vagina? And I'm like, oh, I was born a woman. I became a man. And because of that, I didn't, you know, I have a vagina and I didn't get bottom surgery. And she's like, and I, and then I said to my, and that's why I became, this is why I became famous. Yeah. And I looked at her and I said, I love my vagina. And her face dropped. And she said, you love your vagina? And I said, of course I love my vagina. And then it was like my opening. And I said, I looked right at her eyes and I said, don't you love your vagina? And her face dropped and she made the most crazy face. And she was like, no, I don't love my vagina. Powerful. That the, that interaction right there was so powerful. She even knew it. As a woman sitting there with a man who has a vagina and the man's like, I love my vagina. And the woman saying, ew, no, says everything about the way we were taught about vagina. Women are not supposed to embrace their vagina. Men do get taught to embrace. You don't know that because you're a born male and you haven't even understood the fact that you've been taught to love your penis. 
Well, I've never actually thought about it either way. Because you don't have to, because it's never been an issue. Where we, it's always been an issue for women to talk about their vaginas. It's always been an issue oh. for women to love their vaginas. What was that? Uh, I think it was a Senate hearing, and the woman said vagina in the Senate hearing, and everyone lost their minds, and she got thrown out of the Senate. It was crazy. Really? Yes, it's a real thing. I will find it for you and send it to you. And everyone was up in arms because they're like, but wait a minute. Would that have happened if she said my penis or that penis? And it was in the context of women's health care. And I'm like, wow, this is how the word vagina has become in this world, this really fuck, this dirty word that we're not. So that's why I walk around saying my vagina. You know, I'm empowered through my vagina and I want to empower women. If it's going to take a man, <laughs> if it's going to take a man to change the world and the way what we feel about vagina, then I'll take that's my job. That's my job. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a really interesting comparison, just that I don't think about mine because I don't have to. You don't have to. It's never been an issue for you. And so if you don't live with a vagina, whether you're a man or a woman, you will never have that experience of being degraded constantly. Vagina is made fun of. Vagina is the devil. Vagina, you know, yeah. men are scared of it. Like, what? Yeah. Who started this craziness about the vagina? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm never... Oh, I, I usually don't think about myself as... Um, in terms of the gender in the world. Like, when I'm ordering a coffee, I don't think about, like, I'm right. ordering this as a man. Right. But when I'm walking home late at night from a bar and it's dark, I am so thankful and yes. so aware of right my gender. Yeah. Um, and, like, if I'm walking up behind a woman, I'll, like, scratch my foot just to be like, someone's coming. Don't I don't want to scare you. You are awesome. You see that? How, I that's try. That's having conscious... <laughs> no, that's being conscious of women. Yeah. If we have more men who are conscious of women in the, in the world, I'm telling you, the world would be such a different place. But there isn't. Male privilege is a real thing. It's a real... I have it now. Yeah. Can you imagine I have white male privilege? <laughs> I'm walking the world. No wonder I'm happy. Yeah. But also at the same time, it actually is frustrating for me because I do come from a woman experience and I do come from a space where I'm an activist and I do see the privilege that I have many, many times over. And that's why I use my privilege to make change because it wouldn't be okay if I sat here and took this privilege and just be selfish. It's not okay. And that's our show. If you enjoyed the interview, please spread the word with all of your friends. Text them, email them, share on social media. That is one of the biggest ways you can help our show grow. Thank you for that. I also want to say that right now, GLAAD is leading the progressive movement to fight for an amendment to the U.S. Constitution. This would provide explicit protections for women, LGBTQ people, communities of color, and those with disabilities. To join the growing movement or just learn more, go to glad.org constitution. Special thanks to our old home after Buzz TV, the Elon University Los Angeles studio, Jason McMurdy, and everyone for listening. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and I'll see you next week.